Hi, and welcome back to Synchronicity Podcast. We are so excited to have our guest on today. She is a nutritional therapist practitioner, a certified meditation teacher, and a breast cancer survivor. So we are super excited to have her. I'm Nicole. And I'm Megan. And we have Junie Boucher here on the show today. So please, Junie, introduce yourself and uh, give our listeners a little insight on who you are. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you both. And yeah, I live out in Portland, Oregon. I work in nutritional therapy. I've been passionate about nutrition since I was a teenager when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's at the age of 16. And I really started to see the power of nutrition as I explored that in my life. And, uh, and then I, um, after I was diagnosed with breast cancer, also at a a relatively young age, I was 41 at the time. I really made a lot of changes to my life. Like many people do on that journey. And I just decided to follow my passion. And I uh, went back to school, got certified in nutritional therapy. And then um, I also ended up going for a 200 hour meditation teacher certification. Once I saw that people were so incredibly stressed out that, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to, to make health changes or significant health changes. If you can't manage your stress and how that really had to be at the foundation of a lot of people's journey. And it's, and it's also really helped me in my own life. And I've, um, it's, excuse me, it's one of the most passionate, uh, tools that I think I use with my clients and in my, in my life. Very cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's amazing when we come from something that turns our life around and it's that like pivotal moment of being like, wow, this is my purpose and like stepping into it. And then when you step into it and you've you step into your own, but then now you help other people with your story. And it's, it's so powerful when you're actually able to just be empowered by your purpose. Yes. I couldn't agree more. You mentioned that you are a breast cancer survivor. And that's one reason why I had reached out to you to have you on our show, because this is such a huge hot topic in our industry, um, in the world right now. Um, You're constantly hearing, of course, Megan and I have a dear friend of ours who is fighting it. Um, After being in remission for 10 years, we have family members who have fought it. And so really, I would love to hear your story, how, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how you found out and really how you fought it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I was, I was not somebody who did a lot of self exams, which is something I tell people now get to know your body, (laughs) like know your body so that you know, when something's off, but, um, but I was, I was pretty in tune with myself. I turned 40. I went to go get a mammogram because that's when they recommend you start doing it. They didn't see anything. I have dense breast tissue. And I think that's something that a lot of women also don't know is that if you have dense breast tissue, it might not pick up on a mammogram. And so it's that much more important that you're doing those monthly self-checks. So on the first of the month, they say, feel it on the first, uh, you know, in the shower or whatnot. But I was, I have a dog like you too, and I worked from home before the pandemic and I was running late one morning and I I took her out to use the bathroom and I didn't have a bra on and I was just kind of like running around and I happened to notice my neighbor. So I put my hands kind of like, I kind of put my hands on my chest just to like not be jiggly. (laughs) 
uh, you know how that goes. Like you're yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and then I felt something in my breast and I immediately went inside my boyfriend at the time. I'm like, do you feel this, this, I, there's something here. And I do not remember that. And he was like, yeah, that's, I definitely feel something. And I, so I was able, I was really lucky. I was able to get into my doctor's office that day. And she, she said, you know, you're young, you're healthy. I'm not really worried, but let's go ahead and send you for further testing. I do feel it. Um, but it's probably just a cyst. So I go into, I get an uh, an appointment for an ultrasound. And, um, that was a couple days later, my partner really wanted to come with me. And I really was like, it's not a big deal. Don't even worry about it. Uh, don't take off work blah, blah, blah. I'm super glad that he insisted that he come because it was at that appointment that everything changed. And I didn't realize this at the time either, but you know, in an ultrasound appointment, they can kind of tell if something is a cyst or if it looks more worrisome. And they told me at that appointment, you know, we have to do a biopsy, but the doctor said that he was 90% sure that I had breast cancer and he saw two masses and it was, you know, just completely shocking to me. Not, I was so scared. Um, and then that started my journey. It was very interesting. Cause I mean, I had already been eating pretty well, but I really tightened up my diet. Um, I was doing like fasting protocols. Um, I was, I ended up going on medical disability to just like really focus on my healing. And I feel very lucky that my, I mean, if you go on medical disability, you can't get fired, but I also had a very supportive community and a very supportive job. And, um, I ended up opting to have a single mastectomy because I mean, they said I could do either or. But for me, there were a number of reasons why I wanted to do that because I wanted to avoid radiation because, you know, cancer treatment, like there's so many other side effects of cancer treatment. And they thought I was, they thought I was probably a stage two. I would need chemo. I would need radiation. But if I did the mastectomy, I wouldn't, I might not need radiation if it hadn't spread. So I decided to go that route. Um, and then after I had the surgery, this was really interesting. And I don't really know what I think in my heart it happened. I mean, granted they can only estimate at the time, but when they did the original biopsy, they saw two masses, they found two different types of cancer cells, but when they actually got in there, they only found one mass. It was significantly smaller and it was only one type of cancer. So it was way less serious than what they had originally thought. And there are a lot of innovations in breast cancer now, thankfully, where they can test the tissue and determine if chemotherapy is going to be of a benefit to you. So with my particular type of cancer, chemo would be more harmful than beneficial. So I was able to bypass that. Then they give you, um, if you have a hormonally driven cancer, it's standard of care to give you five to 10 years of a hormone blocking medication. Uh, if you're premenopausal, they give you something called tamoxifen. Um, your audience may relate to this just because I've kind of always had sort of an alternative minded approach to things. And I try to look at the root cause and, um, 
And I had done my research on this medication. It was really diff- It was really difficult for me because there was just something in my gut that said, this is not the right avenue for you. Um, but I was trying to keep an open mind and I um, talked to my doctors. I had a naturopathic oncologist I was working with at the time. I consulted with some holistic cancer experts and I decided to give the medication a shot, even though it's a classified as a carcinogen and, you know, can really increase your uterine and endometrial cancer risk can cause blood clots, strokes, a lot of fun stuff. And many women have really bad side effects, but I said, okay, I asked my oncologist, what is the, what are the people that have the most success seem to be doing lifestyle wise? And she said, well, you know, um, manage your weight, eat an anti-inflammatory diet, manage your stress exercise. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do all this stuff. And I did. And I had the most horrible time on this medication. I took it for almost four months. And by the end of that four months, I just said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I talked to my doctor about it. That's a big thing I tell people. Plus there are statistics you can look at. Um, I mean, I never, ever, I'm not trying to give medical advice. I never tell people to not follow their doctor's advice. But for me personally, I, I had to weigh the pros and cons and it's all relative. You know, they can say this, this will reduce your recurrence risk from, you know, 30 to 50%. But ultimately, if your recurrence risk is is low to begin with, then that might, you know, it, it goes down like in terms of the benefit. And after a lot of soul searching and research, I decided I'm going to try to manage this with lifestyle, with supplements, um, and really just kind of overhauling my life. And that's what I did. I changed just about everything. I changed my job. I changed my relationship. I changed where I lived. Um, I really leaned into my meditation practice. I've done a lot of emotional work with trauma, forgiveness. um, And yeah, and I, I feel actually like I am healthier and more fulfilled today than I was prior to my cancer diagnosis. So I like to tell people that, you know, wherever you are, just know you can emerge stronger than before on the other side. You're kind of given this crossroads and everybody's situation is different. So, you know, the journey is unique, but there, it it doesn't have to be this thing that takes you away from who you are or knocks you down. Like you can build back up. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but, uh, I feel, yeah, I, I feel better than I ever have, I think. And my life's not perfect, <laughs> but you know, well, yeah. well that's, a, and that's the beautiful thing about life though. Like, I mean, and, and what I'm hearing is, is like, you really were given a choice. You were given a choice of like, I either lean into this and I like really directly, embrace it head on. And I do my research and I really lean in and look and deal with not only as it from a medical perspective, right. But also looking at what we call the Eastern body of the trauma and the emotional things that we hold in our body, because there is a lot of studies right now that are coming out with like energy work and meditation of like 
cancer is being related to a lot of that and that stuck energy in the body. Yeah, totally. I, 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 on that note, cause it's become something I've been semi obsessed with. Um, cause I had a really intensive heartbreak a couple years before my, um, my cancer diagnosis. And I, there have been studies on that specifically with breast cancer. And if you think about it from that Eastern medicine perspective, like when your heart breaks, like the, the breasts are almost like these, the bells where that heartbreak resonates. So a lot of women I know went through some type of divorce, heartbreak or heartache. Maybe it has to do with a child or, or something that just really hurt their heart. And then took away this female organ and it's powerful. Yeah. I mean, the, the breasts are so related to the heart. And if you've had some kind of heartbreak and you've um, shut down, like you haven't mourned it, yeah. it's actually, it's German new medicine that talks a lot about this. And for those of you that don't know, German new medicine is all based off of conflicts in the body and how mm. they actually manifest. And it's scary accurate um, of anything that happens in the body. We're talking like yeast infections, ear infections, like anything. It's a conflict that you're having in your body um, and with yourself. So it's you're out of alignment. And I think as we get more and more into uh, where mankind is moving, um, we're going to see it shift from matter versus matter to actually energy versus body. Because, um, you know, so much of my health issues, like I've never had breast cancer or anything, but I was used to get bronchitis Hmm. Uh, and it's the same thing. It's in the heart. I had a huge block in my heart chakra since I've released that. Um, And for those of you that haven't heard that episode, it actually started in Rape um, and ended kind of in Joe Dispenza a couple of weeks ago. But when you push that out, it's crazy what happens Um, but also I'm curious if you, what your opinions are on birth control being related to breast cancer, if you were on birth control, if you don't mind me asking, sure. um, because I have found that yes, there's heartbreak, but there's also birth control involved. Um, and for those that don't know, um, birth control is a class one carcinogen and what it does to your brain is unbelievable, um, and your body. body, (laughs) So get off of it. If you have any questions on that feel free to message probably either one of us. I'm sure Junie has a lot to say about it too. So I want to hear what you have to say about this topic. Yeah, 100%. I, um, yeah. And there have been studies with, you know, synthetic progestin. Um, yeah. So terrible. I, yeah, I became actually sexually active at a young age. I think I was, I was a freshman in high school and my mom was, super cool in that she, she actually was like, okay, it was so, it was so funny because the day after I lost my virginity, she was like, you're having sex. And I was like, how did she know this? Like, I, I, her mother's intuition really kicked in and, you know, and I, I don't, um, have any resentment towards her for, you know, she took me to the doctor and, and, you know, I got on birth control, but I was on birth control from the age of 14 until, you know, it starts maybe as like for a lot of women as a way to manage your period. I never had period issues, but it's also like such a classic Western medicine approach. Like, let's just put this weird bandaid on. Um, and uh, you know, like I, yeah, but I wasn't on it because I was being sexually active. And then, then I stayed on it because it was a way to manage 
my period and kind of, um, even though now I've managed my period for decades now using a period tracker and, um, just being, I know my body, but, um, the, uh, yeah. So I am definitely of that school that it is causing breast cancer. Yep. Um, and it's super dangerous and women really need to explore other options. I mean, I don't even love if, if you need, if you feel like you need to be on birth control, I would say like your best options are Paragard, uh, like a non-hormonal IUD, but even Paragard, I actually have a background in the legal world and we've worked on big lawsuits involving Paragard. And so Paragard has its own stuff, you know, it's a foreign body. Um, so, but not everybody has the option or the inclination to use you know, to really get in touch with themselves. But I, yeah, I, I use barrier methods and, um, but very much anti birth control. Pills. Oh, I, I think the worst. one of the worst things that ever happened to women, because it also yeah. allowed us to negate our bodies and yeah. not be in touch and in tune. And one of the most beautiful things about being a woman is having these ebbs and flows and they've made it the enemy and they've made it bad and periods are dirty and all of these things. But when you actually understand the energy in the body, when we're going through these ebbs and flows, it's, you become most psychic actually. And like, um, available into the ethers and into the womb energy when you're on your period and those kind Mm -hmm. of, it's kind of like an eclipse, right? The, the between worlds kind of open, uh, you know, and they, they, I was on birth control really young too, cause I did have, um, period problems, but I'm an estrogen body type and my body just rejected it hard. Mm. Um, and I actually got an IUD and it almost killed me. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I have been against it ever since, but I always tell people there's something called queen Anne's lace, um, that they've been using since like Egyptian Roman times. It's 99% effective when taken correctly. Um, and it's $10 a bottle and that usually lasts like six months. And then, um, what and tracking, well, tracking, of course you have to yeah, track yeah. to do queen Anne's or queen Anne's lace. And then there's the billings method, which is hundred percent effective, but nobody can say hundred percent. Um, and that's just checking the vaginal fluid. Cause I know it's such mm. a, it's such a thing. Um, you know, I don't want to get pregnant. Well, you know, a lot of it's just being aware or, you know, it's, um, you know, well, we could get into that, but we won't. Um, anyway, so I also want to know, cause I'm also a holistic nutritionist, like what your opinions are on the sugar feed cancer or not like factor fiction on that. Yeah. That's such a controversial, um, subject too. And it frustrates me because on social media, like people really, I see a lot of, uh, cancer dietitians saying like, this is a myth. And frankly, it's not a myth. It's, it's, it is based in, there is a lot of reality to that. Um, I am, I thoroughly believe in therapeutic ketogenic protocols. I mean, specific, it's better for like brain cancer or stuff like that, but like, no, everybody can agree. Can't sugar is not good for you. Sugar is going to cause insulin resistance. Sugar is going to cause blood sugar dysregulation, stress on the body, inflammation, all of these things that disrupt your, sorry, the balance of your body. And, um, so yeah, I absolutely, I mean, there's the metabolic theory of cancer, 
uh, which people say is debunked. But at the same time, if you look into the history of it, like I actually have this book, it's called Tripping Over the Truth. And it's literally all about the metabolic theory of cancer and how the politics in the cancer world, like how, how a lot of these theories that weren't going to make anybody money that we're actually going to allow us to take command of our bodies back um, or use nutritional therapies to, to heal or using things that can't be patented and therefore can't make drug companies money, like how they got pushed out, how doctors got blacklisted. And it's, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but the more that I've learned, I the more <laughs> I've become one because I'm like, oh my gosh, when you start digging into things that are behind where most of the main cancer recommendations come from, you trace it back to who it's making money for. And it becomes a part of this like machine that sadly, I feel like the cancer treatment industry is creating more cancer for a lot of women. And it's, it's terrible. And a book I, I read recently, I interviewed this author on my podcast that deals with breast cancer, busting breast cancer. She talks a lot about, yeah, just like how, um, you know, how terrible mammograms are for most women, how, you know, and just how damaging the cells mitochondria, like how all these things, even biopsies can spread cancer and, uh, and why they're in place the way that they are and the crazy amount of money that they make, um, and how the projections, like, literally she pulled reports that show, oh yeah. So in 2023, or I'm making this up, but like, you know, there'll be this many more women that have breast cancer. And like, we have to look at, well, why is this happening? And there's a number of reasons, but part of it is because we're doing all these things that are creating inflammation in the body. Um, this is my very roundabout way of saying, yes, I do think that sugar feeds cancer. Um, and that it's so important to so much uh, breast cancer is hormonally driven. And one of the quickest ways to cause hormonal havoc is to have dysregulated blood sugar. So, um, yes, I believe the same. So that's a breath of fresh air yeah, as a is. holistic nutritionist. I have fought people on this over and over and over again. Yes. Um, and it drives me crazy when they argue with me. I'm like, sugar causes inflammation. Disease is inflammation. Like this is not, it's common sense yeah. to me, uh, you know, and do I follow a perfectly keto diet? No, but you know, I really, we really try to stick to natural sugars, yes. but if you have cancer, you know, I'm like, why are you even arguing? Like this is um, you know, and sadly when you do have cancer so often, I see those women, men, you know, I've worked with both that actually crave sugar so much more than they usually do. Yeah. And it also boils down to like acidic environment. Sugar causes acid. Only cancer can live in acidic environments. And then, you know, to alkalize the body, you have to get rid of cancer. So it's so simple to me. Yeah. Uh, and it's quite, again, uh, you know, so much of what the drug companies are pushing is because they make money. I personally think that, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't have these beliefs, but now it's like, I I'm thinking with like diet, exercise, mental health, meditation, um, love, yoga. I think love and yoga cure 
anything because you yeah. have an absence of it somewhere in your life. If you're feeling this way, yeah. um, you know, and the cancer runs close to us. I have a really good friend, you know, but I see the gaps in her life and she sees them too, but it's like, how do I get from, you know, I'm here. How do I get over here? And so much of it again, and coming back to that heartbreak you talked about, um, I think that our society has a really big gap with love and um, you know, we've experienced in our own lives and, you know, coming back and feeling wholeness, which is not mm. having disease in the body is coming back to that <clears throat> love. Um, also, have you seen any research on oxygen when it, ox when cancer cells are exposed to oxygen, how are, what are your feelings on that? You know, I I've been reading a lot about this, although I, I don't know if I'll be able to articulate myself super well on it, but like Basically, uh, there are a lot of alternative doctors who use hydrogen peroxide therapies oh, to oxygenate. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, you know, that goes back to that metabolic theory of cancer. Like what is feeding the cancer and, and, um, you know, why, why is the body? Cause every, this is another thing that people don't realize everybody has cancer cells, yes. but a yes. healthy person has a, a robust immune system and is able to overcome it. So you know, I think a lot of the reason why this trauma piece comes into play is because if you get just shocked to your core so hard that you just get thrown off, like your body can't just can't keep up. It tips over. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, I, I don't, yeah, again, I don't know that I can talk to that, but I have heard about that. And so there's, there are many different methods that they're kind of looking at, but again, like hydrogen peroxide infusions or whatever, that's incredibly cheap to do. Mm -hmm. So people don't, you know, they don't use that. And, um, and going back to the sugar thing, I mean, I really believe, and when I see people post sugar doesn't feed cancer. And then there's like a thousand comments and everyone's like, yeah, don't, you know, I eat whatever I want. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, or my doctor told me just eat whatever I want. That always makes me crazy. <laughs> but it's also, I think it just goes back to how emotional food is for people. Oh, yeah. And then when you're in a, a state of extreme stress that anybody who gets a diagnosis of cancer is, of course, you're going to have sugar cravings if your cortisol is sky high. For like sure. that's just, uh, you know, our bodies, unfortunately, you know, unless you cut it out, it's going to, I mean, even if you cut it out, like when you're stressing your body out, you know, you're, you're just going to automatically, because that the, the body thinks that you're in fight or flight mode and you need quick fuel. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not super simple for people. And I try to be compassionate, but I am very outspoken about the fact that it most definitely has a relationship and it's not about, um, I think some people take that as like a blaming the patient. Um, a lot of people get very sensitive about that, but it's about your personality type. Cause to me, I find it very empowering to have that information. Like, okay, then there's something I can do because I'm not going to just believe that I got cancer because I have bad luck. Right. Like th there was something that happened. Right. It's that victim versus actual like empowerment and they're the, actually this the double-edged sword right but i always tell people it's better that it's 
your problem and it's you versus the rest of the world. Cause you can't change the rest of the world, but you sure as heck can change you. So yeah. it's better if it's you, I've never understood. I mean, I have actually understood the victim narrative because we've all been there, but when you actually start to step into your power and you're like, I have the power to change this. It's yeah. like exactly what you said. It's this, like, it's this breath of fresh air of like, I can actually do something. I am not yeah. powerless in this situation, but if it's everything else, then you are, but we have, fallen into this lapse of um, feeling empowered in our society and everything has turned into victimhood. Uh, and we believe in radical accountability of like, find what you're accountable for and shift it because you always have power in a situation and it's, uh, it's life-changing. And, you know, actually how we got into psychedelics was actually because of diet. People didn't mm -hmm. want to change their diets. It's one of the hardest things to change. And, you know, if you, and it's very, very closely related to trauma so, you know, if you look at masculine and feminine wounds and funny enough, right, the first feminine chakra is the heart and the, mm. the lower ones are masculine. So when people try to get into their femininity, which we've really struggled with, there's a huge block and they're like, I don't even know how to be feminine. Like what? Right. People have no idea how to understand like their nervous systems or any of this. I'm like, well, how does your body react to that? And women are like, what? Like, what is your nervous system saying? They're like, huh? Yeah. Like, and then we wonder why cancer is... There, I mean, it's like speaking a foreign language to even know what the nervous system means. And it's actually far more intelligent than our logical minds. Uh, you know, as Joe Dispenza says, the, the mind thinks, but the heart knows. And if you're mm. not in touch with that knowing, you're going to have a rough, rough go at it. But we're not taught to do that. Uh, we're taught to produce and kind of be in survival mode constantly, which is the lower chakras. So, you know, it's, it's actually crazy because you know speaking of conspiracy theories if they keep you in survival mode you're in your lower chakras of course you're going to get sick you've yeah. got no you're not actually in tune with what's happening so it gets you know conspiracy theories i think they label those because they can't they, they can't actually discredit them. them in a lot of yeah. ways and, um, you know, I've been in the programming we both have and COVID kind of shocked us out of that, uh, real quick, because you start to really start to ask questions and, uh, and we did, and I'm really grateful for it because stuff like this really started to shift my narrative on again, being the victim to disease, like, oh my gosh, breast cancer runs in my family. Am I going to get it? Um, and I actually was on, this is very serendipitous. I was mm -hmm. on Instagram last night. And I saw a bunch of research that just came out on bras and underwire mm, and how they're mm -hmm. actually causing breast cancer because the lymphatic system actually can't drain correctly when you have a bra on. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So pissed. I'm like, there's so much of this. Yeah. I'm like, European women have it right. Like I never wear a bra in Europe. Why do I do it over here? We need to make this socially acceptable that like underwire. And again, it would make sense because it's metal. It would cut off. The energy field, it'd be a blocker. Yeah. And it would also, if it's too tight, cuts the lymphatic system off. So there's so many constructs of our society that are so programmed into us. It's normal, but it's not actually normal. Have you heard that theory about bras? I have. Yeah. And I've, I haven't worn underwire. I have a few bras that I think yeah. are underwire just for like certain outfits, <laughs> but yeah, for, for sure. the most part, like, yeah, I, I never wear underwire anymore. I mean, I stopped, I stopped using, um, like 
traditional antiperspirants and yoga, because that's a big one too. And a lot of the times, like if someone has a tumor that's sort of on the outside of the breast, they, they believe that that can be related to, you know, the use of antiperspirants, which if you think about it too, um, you know, we need to detoxify through our sweat. And if we're stopping our sweat, uh, I mean, I, I was kind of lucky because I had a really bad allergic reaction to the aluminum or whatever it is in there when I was a teenager. So I stopped wearing like traditional antiperspirant. I had to, right. um, and, but you know, granted I still got breast cancer. It was in a different part of my breast, but there are a lot of women that still use that or, you know, will even, I have a friend who even uses like a, a solution that makes her stop sweating, which I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't like, do it. You, do, you need to sweat. Like it's one of the major detoxification pathways and it's so important. Uh, yeah. But the, the underwire thing, I've been kind of hip to that for a while. And it's just, once you stop wearing underwire, you're like, oh yeah, this is way better. Oh, for oh, sure. For, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah. way better. I mean, I'm not, I've, I'm very petite in the chest, but yeah. I've always like bras have always like made me like it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I've always kind of just been a sports bra and I've like more with COVID too. It's more like, Oh, whatever. I'm just embracing my small <laughs> chest because you know what you I'm fine with it. You have to be fine with it. It's, you yeah. know, um, but it's, it is, it's so much more comfortable and you're not yeah. like, I don't know. You don't like take it off it. Like you aren't counting down the minutes until you get home to take it off. Right. You know, it's like that. Yeah. And they don't, you know, it's like body dysmorphia. Right. And that's why so many women get boob jobs is because your boobs aren't supposed to look round. It's like they pull them up and it's like like (laughs) round. I'm like, that's not the way boobs look. Can we just love that boobs are like not supposed to be, they're not perfect. Like in the middle of your chest, they're supposed to move and they're supposed to be like, you know, that, that's always, I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, they don't, your boobs don't even look natural in a bra. Like, why is that? They, they, they look like fake boobs. Yeah. And so that's become the psychological thing, which has caused women to get surgery. And we're not even get into <laughs> implants are like, yeah. you know, go down that rabbit hole, but uh, talk about another thing that causes a lot of cancer in the body. But yeah, I thought that the, I, I didn't actually know that about underwires. And again, I don't really wear bras very often, maybe like once a month at this point, about as often as I wear makeup, but, um, (laughs) but it's like, oh my God, all of these things, all of these things and the microplastics and all of this stuff. I mean, everything's made out of polyester to find a hundred percent cotton clothing is just crazy. And then, you know, another point is talc talc is in all sorts of makeup and that causes cancer. And it's, you know, it's not this, the the FDA and everything that's supposed to protect us doesn't give a shit. They make money. Yeah. It's like to Europe and there's like 3000 different chemicals that are illegal. You come over here, there's like 500 because the corporations are so powerful. Um, and even with nutritionists, like a lot of nutritionists, their entire, you know, if you go to a typical college, it's funded by Coca-Cola. So they're not mm. even accurately taught yeah. because then it would not serve, you know, the 1% sure. that's making all the money off of it. And it, it's so disheartening of what we consider health. It's just the masking of symptoms and not actually going to the cause of something and looking very deeply at it. Cause I think that 
um, the powers that be know all of this. They know how to mm -hmm. cure all of these things. Mm -hmm. They have the sources and they have the, um, the cures, but they, I mean, it, it, this is a trillion dollar industry we're talking about. This mm -hmm. is, I mean, they don't care if a few of us die and that's what people need to understand is to take the power back. And this is why I'm loving what you're doing and telling your story, because if you don't take the power back, no one's going to save you. And yeah. that's, true of everything in life. It's not just cancer. It is quite mm -hmm. literally everything. Mm -hmm. Nobody yeah. has your best interest in mind more than you do. And you have to take the driver's seat in that, in your health, in your life and fitness, everything. Yeah. If you don't, you're screwed to the system. And, you know, I, we're here to help wake that awakening that's happening of like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of people that love and care, but it's, it's not the people that are in charge. Uh, sadly, I wish it was, but yeah. it's, not. Um, and so the other thing was, you know, I, again, going back to the girlfriend that I know that has it, you know, after she had cancer, she really struggled a lot with her sexual identity. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can imagine, right. Because breasts and everything are such a huge, huge part of identity. the sexual identity as a woman. Absolutely. And, um, you know, kind of how to take that back or kind of, I would love to hear about that. Yeah. yeah that is, that is another arena that I somehow became very vocal about, um, sure. because, you know, and that's part of why I, I started my own podcast was like, Oh, the issues for a younger woman with breast cancer are really different than, uh, you know, maybe a menopausal married woman. Um, so yeah, for me personally, I had to sort of, first you have to kind of forgive your body because the whole idea of like my breast tried to kill me, like that's, it's a <laughs> terrible place to be. Like there are t-shirts that say yeah, that. It's like, a great, it was a great marketing tagline. Yeah. They make a lot of money off the tagline, but yeah. But that, internalizing that idea, like that my body betrayed you, me. And, you know, instead of looking at it as like, this was a healing mechanism, this was a coping mechanism and I tipped something over um, and I need to address this. But um, so there's, there's that there's forgiving your body, like making peace with your body. There's also opening your mind to different erogenous zones. And, and what is it, you know, that caused me to really take a look at the fact that I didn't know what, who I really was as a sexual being. A lot of my sexuality revolved around what I thought my partner wanted me to be. Um, so that was a big awakening. And then also, um, looking at, yeah, I, I had to really come into my power because, you know, I, I was in a relationship at the time that I was diagnosed, but, uh, you know, that was one of the things that I let go that I felt like I was part of my healing journey. So I've been single for the last year and a half and dating during with, you know, with one breast, mm -hmm. uh, is, I mean, one is reconstructed, but it doesn't, you know, it's different. It's not, that's not an, a breast augmentation. That is a reconstructed breast. And I have two very different breasts. Cause I decided not to have another surgery on the, the regular or healthy breast. Cause I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't want to mess with, I don't want to cut my body up, you know, but, um, but how do I, I have to address that with people I'm dating. Uh, if I think we're going to get to that point and I don't want there to be any surprises and granted, I'm a very open person, but, uh, and not everybody is probably as comfortable talking about things like this, but, uh, you know, it's a good litmus test 
for the quality of person that you are considering being lovers with when you discuss things like that. I mean, as a culture, I do feel Americans are quite supportive of the cancer community. So, you know, we're not stigmatized. I don't think it doesn't feel that way. There's a lot of support and a lot of like, Oh, you're so brave. But, um, but the, uh, yeah, it's, if, if a person doesn't react supportively or doesn't seem to be able to see past that, then I know that they're not, they're not for me. So I've kind of, again, that's a way I've taken my power back. Um, and amazingly enough, I've, I've really had most pretty much only positive, extremely positive experiences. And I find, you know, I am a, a cisgender female heterosexual, like, men like novelty (laughs) and having two very different looking breasts can, you know, be an interesting journey for, for men. And I've had, I had a a partner who was really like, I actually really like that your breasts look so so different, which Mm -hmm. I was shocked to hear him say, but, um, I've heard, I mean, not necessarily men that I was in relationship with, but I've heard men say that before of like, yeah, it's just like a new adventure. It's, it's different. Um, it's not necessarily something that is uh, deterring or, or unattractive, but, um, I've been doing, I work for, so I live in Portland, Oregon, and I work with the Rose city sexual health collective. And I take a holistic, we take a holistic approach to sexuality and my position as, you know, the nutrition person is basically like, let's get you feeling good in your body. Let's get your hormones balanced because ultimately that's going to affect your libido. It's going to affect your sexual confidence. And, um, a big platform that I've explored with some of the therapists and, um, you know, uh, we have an acupuncturist, we have a pelvic floor specialist PT, and then multiple, um, like licensed therapists and sex coaches is I, I love, helping women find this journey back to their new sexual selves and recognizing that if you are on a hormone blocking medication, which tends to have side effects and menopausal symptoms, like there are a lot of pathways back to sexual, um, desire and sexual satisfaction. You can bypass painful intercourse through, something like mindfulness. There's actually a lot of work. Uh, there's a woman I love named Lori Brado who wrote a book called better sex through mindfulness. Have you ever read that? No, but that sounds amazing. Yeah. It's kind of dry, but, um, (laughs) I, I, I run that. What an ironic thing to say, but it's, uh, (laughs) if, if you love, if you love meditation, which obviously you, you do, it's, it's so great. Like seeing her work and she did a lot with women who have low libido, Um, which has become an area of passion for me, but also women who have a history of gynecological cancers. So sometimes you can, you know, if you have vaginal dryness, you might have really painful intercourse. And then there's a whole process with that. And how do you change your relationship to pain? How do you open your mind and strengthen the connection between your mind and body to cultivate desire. How do you just become present and get out of your head instead of thinking, are they looking at my two different breasts and like get into your body? And 
I feel like my sex life in complete honesty has improved exponentially because I've leaned into my meditation practice so hard. I'm just so much more present. And I think anybody who recalls their greatest sexual experiences, one of the top things they're going to say is like, yeah, I just was like so present or like the world sort of slipped away. You you're, you're there, you're feeling it, you're in it. And that's what mindfulness does for you. Well, and it's amazing too, because when we start talking, you know, Megan was talking about the chakras, right. And like yeah. our, our body as women are, it, that's our, our feelings. Like men are so in the head and women are yeah. so in the body, but our, our society has really pushed like women to be so much in their head. And so like you had mentioned, like, what does my partner want? And what is, you know, always, what does the other person want instead of self and being in self? And, you know, and it's, it's so important too. And like how you had mentioned about balancing hormones with like the body and everything. Like, I would love for you to kind of tie that in, like how balancing hormones is really important, especially with like prevention of breast cancer and like libido and like all of that, because it is ideally one system. Um, if you can elaborate on that for us, that'd be great. Sure. I love, I love talking about this because mo so I think, I don't know if I've said this already, but the majority of breast cancer is hormonally driven. It's not genetic. Right. So, And typically what you'll see with a hormonally driven cancer is some state of estrogen dominance, which does not necessarily mean you're making too much estrogen. It just means that your ratio of estrogen and progesterone are off, which in our culture, we're seeing with so many women, um, just we're pushing ourselves too hard. And we're, uh, we're so incredibly stressed out. We're not sleeping. We're not eating well. We're, um, we're grabbing food or eating off our kids plates because we just don't have time. And a lot of that comes back to that self-love. Like we don't think we deserve it. We think we have to give away everything. Um, so with the prevention we're I got, I got sort of chided or I got yelled at a little bit on social media for using the word prevention, but like risk reduction with breast cancer. Um, again, it was somewhere where it was like, I feel like that word makes it sound like the person caused their own cancer and it's blaming. And it's like, well, that's not how I see it, but I can understand how a very slight tweak to language can make someone feel different. And sure. Let's like, that makes sense. So, um, So we we can prevent it today. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, either way, you know, it's the same, same outcome. Right. So like, I, I can be more compassionate in my use of the language, but, um, yeah. So, so making sure that not only are you, I, I always tell people like the blood sugar balance, that's so key eating, eating real food, you know, you don't have to eat a a ketogenic diet or a paleo diet to be healthy. People think it has to be so extreme and really it doesn't, but you can't eat like naked carbs. You you know, you need that fiber, you need that fat, you need that protein to, to keep things in balance. And everybody's different. Some people's body types do well with carbs. Others don't. I am very carb sensitive. So, um, but I think also managing stress, you guys have those great episodes. I was listening to the adrenal body type and, um, you know, our sensitivity to stress 
And I mean, granted, we live in such a stressful world. Almost everybody could pull back a little bit, but there are some of us that are just really sensitive to stress too. So you have to really be in tune with who you are as a person and manage that. And it's not about eliminating all stress from your life because nobody can do that. It's about changing your relationship to it. And again, mindfulness or restorative yoga, those are things I love for women. Um, having a healthy balance in your exercise. Like, of course, do resistance training, sweat, but don't push so hard that you're, you know, your period stops or, um, or that you're, you know, kind of going into this blood sugar dip too hard because you thought you had to go to two a day CrossFit workouts or something, you know, like that, that's crazy for women and hormones. Um, what else? And, oh, and then just detoxifying your body from the environmental estrogens. Like even if you use all the clean beauty, clean household products, um, you don't touch the receipt at the, at this grocery store or whatever, like you're still going to be exposed to, you know, secondhand smoke, uh, pesticides, like all these different things. We just don't have much control. So how do we keep our detoxification pathways open? We do that through hydration. So eliminating through urine feces. So getting enough fiber, making sure that you're having a bowel movement at least once a day. Um, also sweating, you know, sweating and whether that's in the form of exercise or a sauna or, or whatever. And, uh, and, you know, trying to minimize your exposure to these endocrine disrupting chemicals. But I also think it's, um, as we talked before, like stress in the body can be related to unprocessed trauma. Um, so I, I really, that, that I think it's like, get these foundations first, you know, um, but, and bolster your immunity, make sure you're sleeping all the basics, you know, well, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's amazing when you, um, talked about that, like two a day CrossFit, I think there's this like huge stigma with women that like, you know, you have to be fit. You can't be this. I don't know. Like, how dare you have a little extra, like, you know, Megan and I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, like women, we're not supposed to like rock a six pack and have like big muscles. Like we're not men we're supposed kind of soft to like, you know, keep the bed warm for our man at night. You know, we're supposed to have a little extra, but that's also like naturally a part of being estrogen bodies. Like we have a little bit of extra because having a baby, like you need a little bit of extra. I hate to use the word fat because I do know it triggers a lot of people, but it is, a we mm -hmm. have a natural higher fat content than men. Mm -hmm. And we have we're now in this like world of you get on social media and like these women are just like, you know, I went to the gym twice today and I'm just like going and going and going. And they talk about calories and they talk about all of this stuff. And it's like, it's, it can be extremely overwhelming, especially for women that don't understand like how important our hormones are, especially because we are so estrogen dominant. And like mm -hmm. when we have that estrogen imbalance, then we have cortisol and all this stuff. Like it can really throw your body off. Like, and it makes sense why breast cancer and these cancers are becoming so prominent in women right now. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I feel like women are having more cancer 
than men. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's just it's just more. <laughs> well, I I don't know if it's more, but it's um the body hatred that women have yeah. that I think prompts a lot of cancer, you know, going back to what Junie said about you know, when when you're when you have cancer and have any kind of trauma and you know that shirt that my body tried to kill me or whatever, mm-hmm. well, for how long were you trying to kill your body because you weren't eating correctly because you wanted to be thinner. You were going to the gym and you were think about that kind mm-hmm. of aggressive behavior over and over again. Of course, something is going to retaliate. Mm-hmm. You know, I implore all women to no matter what you look like. Um, and I've seen this over and over again, when you start to love yourself and feel good in your own skin, the scale just automatically starts going down or you just reach your happy weight because you're in love with yourself. And yeah. Every man can feel that. Every woman can feel that. But when you're at battle with yourself, of course, your body is going to retaliate. I mean, that's just common sense. It it has a mind too. And, mm-hmm. you know, being the heart, being the gut, you know, any, any frequency that you're putting out and all frequency is thought is being reciprocated in your field. And mm-hmm. if you understand this, then you understand the base of like, we're all atoms and your thoughts create your frequency, which creates your reality. So if you're at war with your body, you're going to have this stuff going on. And, you know, no man cares if you have, we were having this conversation the other day. No man cares if you have cellulite. Most of them are like, what cellulite, huh? I know how to spell that. I don't know what it looks like. I have no idea. Most men look at women and go, God, God, she's got a great ass or look at her body. They're not picking them. They're not picking us apart the way that we pick each other apart. For sure. For sure. And the thing is, is like, if you're naked in a man's room, he just won the lottery. Literally like. (laughs) Women, I don't know why we're so critical of ourselves and of one another because of the, you know, the, how you critique yourself is how you critique others. And you're sending out negative energy when you're like, oh my God, look at what she looks like in that swimsuit or, you know, whatever. And I really implore people to like, start to practice love for yourself so that you can generate it in others. And I think it changes the entire landscape because I used to be anorexic and bulimic. And I remember the thoughts that I had. And the funny thing is, is that obesity is the same thing. It's just the Mm. opposite end of the spectrum. And we're seeing this so prominently in our society right now. I mean, talk about an epidemic. You know, we're talking about 1% of the population is obese. That's not a little bit of extra. That's dangerous to the heart. It's Mm -hmm. dangerous to the entire body, but it's a rejection of self. That's self-hatred to do this. And I hate that it's become mainstream that, you know, body positivity. Yes, body positivity, but healthy. You don't need to be a stick and you don't need to be like, let's, let's promote love for self. Because if you love yourself, you're going to be at a beautiful weight and you're going to be glow in your own skin. And we're not going to have these diseases and things because this all stems from negative energy, which is fear and hatred. And it's fears from lack and scarcity and all of these things. If you're an abundant, loving mindset, your frequency cannot manifest these things. And Mm -hmm. the energy body needs to really start to be talked about more because it's the old paradigms that have caused these diseases. And one of those paradigms is women need to be a size zero. It's still yeah. happening today. I mean, Kim Kardashian just lost like 40 pounds or some shit to fit into a Ugh, the Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. yeah, no. You know, and she has yeah. so many followers. And I'm like, what is this woman's problem? Because oh, I know. the thing that used to be her saving grace in my book was that she was curvy. Yeah. And now she's like a twig figure. Yeah. And I'm just like, what is this? It's lack. It's like, yeah. I'm good enough. And this exists yeah. in celebrities, this exists in social, social media. media. 
yeah. you know, you get those theta brainwaves scrolling and you, do you know what you're downloading into your subconscious? People yeah. need to be conscious. And, um, you know, I, it's just upsetting as women, because I do believe that we get the brunt, brunt of it kind of circling back around when it comes to this body hatred, when it comes to all of these things. And because we have estrogen, I always tell, you know, I always tell women like, estrogen was God's second biggest joke. It's first was oxytocin. Cause we get so attached when we have sex. <laughs> That's so funny. But also the hookup culture is really a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that you create oxytocin and when you bond with somebody, that bond is sacred and you mm-hmm. need to understand that you're absorbing their energy when you're having sex with somebody and mm-hmm. what somebody else's energy field is pushing into yours. And sex is the biggest energy exchange can cause things like this. So if you don't have a partner that really loves your body and loves you, and it's creating a positive environment, you're going to have this stuff going on. The relationship with yourself, the relationship with the people around you, we've got to look at these things, the toxic hookup culture and stuff. I really feel strongly about because it's also what promotes birth control. And Mm. here we go again, like we're back to the, the same story. And, you know, having women that are, have gone, have had to walk through this in order to tell people their story is so beautiful. And, you know, thank you once again for doing this because young, I hope that someday young women don't have to walk through this. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think we're changing that, but we have to overcome a lot of the programs that have been set in and it's not just pharma and everything. It's actually our relationships with ourselves. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that really helps balancing the hormones and balancing all of those things. Cause when you're in self-love, everything kind of, it's like dominoes. <laughs> Literally. No, I, I agree. And I'm sure you've read Louise Hay and, you know, like it, the hard thing I think, cause I completely agree with what you're saying. Like we're constantly fighting an uphill battle. Like we have to constantly deprogram because of the way that the fashion industry and, um, you know, the media and God, yeah, like the Kardashians, it's like, there's such, there's such a tragic example of, you know, here they were like Kim Kardashian was, you know, bringing curves back, but yet then now they've all gone to these crazy extremes and these totally manufactured curves, you know, like Kylie Jenner did not change her body type that extremely in, you know, because she got her period. Like that didn't, no, I'm sorry. Like that's, and she even, I even saw an article with like a friend of hers, like, um, um, someone who was born a man who I think he was sort of exploring gender, uh, the spectrum of gender. And he had like all the same procedures as her. So he had like those crazy hips and like super small waist and everything. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is such an example of like how her doctors, cause they all look the same and it doesn't look, doesn't look natural. Like we know when you, well, you can, I can see, I lived in LA for a long time. Like I can see anybody with plastic surgery and I have a knowing somewhere yeah. of like, okay, they had some work done and I don't judge them. Cause it's like, I feel a compassion of like, Ooh, there was so much pain and like non-acceptance. And it's, you know, it's, I don't blame people for that because we're, we have to just, it's a never ending assault. If you have a a cell phone or you watch TV and, um, or you read a magazine. So it's, it's so difficult. Like, how do we change these things? And, and I do agree that Americans take things uh, and they just 
like even body positivity, like it's, it's gone. You're right. I agree. Like there is sort of this toxic like place that that's gone too, because yeah, like we have so many lifestyle related health issues that probably a lot of it comes, you know, you think about a lot of women that are overweight, many of them have sexual trauma and it becomes this way of like creating a force field or a barrier protection. Um, but also having, you know, struggled with weight in my life, I know that when I am eating, um, compulsively, like it's, it's me being very disconnected from like what I need and my self-love. And when I, that's been a big practice for me as well. Like not only can you tackle this from a mindset perspective, I don't think it's either or, but like balancing your hormones by doing some of the things we talked about before, because make your body work with your body, but also working on that self-love piece so that you understand like, yeah, as a woman, I, I am, I am definitely a softer woman and, um, and also, you know, yeah, with men, since I've been more accepting of just like, yeah, this is who I am. I am like, it's, it translates. Yeah. Like I see the power that I have, mm-hmm. you know, I am not as thin as I was when I was 30. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where I am, but like, I feel more attractive now or like more powerful mm-hmm. in terms of like my level of, of attraction. And part of that is leaning into my femininity. Um, but it's, it's such a, it's such a delicate dance because even you, you two have talked about the importance of, supporting the adrenals into menopause, like how, because not only, I mean, being obese can contribute to breast cancer because the adipose tissue works as like a a hormone and it holds estrogen, but also, you know, you need as once you go through the menopausal transition, like you need a little extra fat. There's a reason most women who may have been skinny their whole life gain a little bit more during menopause because you need that Mm -hmm. fat to convert to, to estrogen. So it's, it's, it's difficult, (laughs) but there are so many problems and so many things that we've just become very out of touch with, whether it's, you know, acknowledging the power of connection. Cause there's, that's another thing, like women should feel allowed to be sexual. Absolutely. Um, but yet, yeah, this this hookup like what you say with hookup culture, that's a, a really interesting perspective. Not acknowledging the power of uh neurotransmitters, yeah. you know? And that's another thing with hormones that I like to tell people is like, you know, um some women go nuts when they go on birth control, like or not nuts, that's a terrible thing. Wait, but some women feel really out of control yeah. mentally. And um, and when I went on tamoxifen, I like had never felt like that. I became like very angry. That's not my personality. And I saw the power of hormones. So if you're having issues with just like feeling mentally stable, that, you know, that's not to say don't, you know, use therapy or medication if you need it, but like the power of food and lifestyle, I mean, it can be just as powerful if you have the patience and the follow through uh, if not more powerful than medications. And again, it's going back to this root cause and finding balance that we just as a society don't tend to want to do the work 
Right. No, we want a pill that fixes everything. Yeah. And we we're do. literally yeah. seeing the repercussions of that with, you know, it, I won't get too far into any of the political stuff, but, <laughs> you know, putting children on hormones at any age, like think about what birth control has done to women. Now you're introducing hormones, you know, that these people are going to be lifelong practitioners of. And within, you know, 10 years, it's a hundred percent, hundred percent that they will get cancer within mm. 10 years of using any kind of the hormones that children are being put on right now. And this is what people are not looking at. I know that there are things going on with that child and everything else, but you're not looking at the repercussions. You're looking at fixing the symptom again, not the actual cause of these things. And it's the power of the pharmaceutical companies. And I've gotten in a lot of fights very recently with a lot of people that feel a certain way about this. And I'm like, yeah, but you're, you're literally sentencing that child to radiation chemo, if not death mm. surgeries. I mean, you, you have to understand that like, yes, I, I see that there's something going on, but I don't yeah. think that's the answer when it's basically a death sentence, if not a huge financial burden for them to be on these hormones lifelong. Right. And if you don't have insurance and you don't have any of these things, like you're looking at serious repercussions and we don't have any long-term research into what they actually do long-term other than we know it causes cancer. So, you know, again, we're seeing why does so many people have cancer? Why, you know, not only do we have the pollutants that you were talking about just day to day that we're fighting, but now, you know, all of these medications that have like a stupid long list, but some we don't even know. And we're just like slap a bandaid on it and here you go. But what's that going to do? And So it's the encouragement of the mindfulness of what you've talked about of like being mindful of what is happening and who, again, look at the source of who you're learning these information from. And again, what we really dictate to people ask why, if you don't ask why, you know, children always, why, 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 why is this guy blue? Why, 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 why do we ever stop doing that? But know your why of why you believe a certain thing, but also ask why. Why am I going to be on hormone blockers? What are the repercussions? Because we don't, we're not taught to ask. Yeah. It's like we turned into this society of yes, of yeah, like yes, sir, no, ma'am, like whatever. And, you know, it's, it's, it's causing ridiculous stuff. You know, why Europe, you know, their cancer has gone down and ours has skyrocketed over, you know, 80% of what it was. There wasn't even hardly any cancer in the 20s and 30s. I mean, aren't we 70s. supposed aren't we supposed to be evolving? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So um, but lastly, like what would be your biggest like takeaway or advice to women or our audience? Um, just like a last snippet of you know, what you would like to share with them if we missed anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I think a lot of what you said is really powerful and probably just reiterating that idea, you know, as a society, we're so overwhelmed. And I think that's part of why we hand over our power. Um, plus, you know, if you're really overwhelmed with a cancer diagnosis, which you've probably had a history of stress. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't have any history of stress. It can be very tempting to want to, especially if you're taught like, well, a doctor is almost like a God, you know, to hand over your power to that. Unfortunately, the reality is that doctors, even the ones with the best intentions 
a lot of their curriculum is being dictated by the very same companies that are benefiting from these cancer treatments. So it's know what you're going into and know that when you take an approach with a conventional doctor, their objective is to treat your symptoms, to push pharmaceuticals and to not treat the root cause. So do your own research, consult with different people. Like you, you can't go to a doctor for a holistic approach. That's not their job that you shouldn't expect that from a, a, you know, a Western doctor, but you can consult with other people. You can do your own research. I know not everybody has the resources, but everybody pretty much has access to the internet and, you know, the internet, you have to kind of vet your information, Mm -hmm. but like get curious and then get in touch with yourself because we, we can't, yeah, we can't rely. Doctors are not gods. I hear terrible stories all the time about women who have advocated for themselves and their doctors have fired them as a patient or yelled at them. And that makes me insane. But at the, you know, doctors are humans too, and all humans have egos. So, um, but if, if that's your situation where your doctor's pressuring you or taking away your autonomy, you know, find another doctor, (laughs) but know that, yeah, like we, we have to look behind the curtain. Unfortunately, that's just the reality and whatever it is, whether it's, you know, you noticing that you're judging a woman on the street because she's wearing a crop top and she's got a little bit of a belly, like, like get curious about those thoughts, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, get curious about that. That's again, why I go back to mindfulness is it allows you to to disconnect from the programming and then get curious. And a lot of the times you realize, A, this has no basis in truth, really, or my truth, Um, whether it's you judging somebody else, you judging yourself, (laughs) and that we are unfortunately very exposed to so many toxins, which are either environmental or um, you know, energetic mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, it can be exhausting. <laughs> Give yourself a break when you need a break. Uh, but, but take back your power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well no, absolutely. And, um, lastly, if anybody wants to get a hold of you and I'm sure that, that you have social media and everything, if you could just yeah. let our listeners know, I will also be posting it in the show notes along with all of the books that Junie mentioned, um, she mentioned three of them, so they will definitely be in there, but if you could just give us all of the details and and how our listeners can get a hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm mostly active on Instagram. Like I, I've had to create some balance with social media, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at Junie B. Well on Instagram and also on Facebook, it's Junie Boucher NTP. I'll send you the links. Um, my website is juniebewell.com. Uh, you can reach out to me that way. Um, on, on the website, you can reach out to me on social media. I love hearing from people. I'm also, I have my own podcast. It's called Tata cancer, and it's really an exploration of healing, um, after a breast cancer diagnosis, but really it's a conversation about what is healing ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
where else is he? I'm also, i for, since I am a meditation teacher, I do have like a whole free library of guided meditations on insight timer. If people use that, I know it's a meditation audience and, uh, where else let's see. Oh, and I'm also, yeah, I, you can reach me, uh, through the Rose city sexual health collective in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I have a bunch of free resources on my website as well for breast cancer patients. But also since we talked a lot about self-love, one of my freebies is uh, the self-love dance party playlist. And it's like a playlist that you can automatically load uh, for free into like your Spotify or Apple music account. And it's like uses the, um, uses the technique of habit stacking. So like, I know people who use it as a running list. I know I've used it to like clean my house when I was just feeling kind of down. And it's like songs that just pump you up, encourage that self-love and also really make you want to move your body. So you can kind of just get into your body. So, um, that's just like a general freebie that I like to offer to people and it can all be found on my website. That's awesome. And like I said, everything will be in our show notes. So for the listeners, if, um, you're driving or whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, there was so much information. <laughs> I will absolutely make sure it's accessible for everybody. But Jenny, thank you so much. We, we love this conversation and, um, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. You, you ladies are really insightful and have wonderful things to say. And it makes me feel better knowing that there are people in the world that are helping spread this message of just like encouraging people to get more information. Absolutely. Yeah.